I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Don't miss a thing on Parenting Aces. Be sure to sign up for our free e-newsletter so you're among the first to know when a new article is posted. Simply go to parentingaces.com and enter your email address, then click subscribe in the subscribe for updates box on the right side of the page. Good afternoon and welcome to the Parenting Aces radio show on Blog Talk Radio's UR Tennis Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and we have another great show for you today. Today's guest is Rinaldo Garrido. Rinaldo is an 80-year-old gentleman living in South Florida in the Miami area. He has lived tennis his entire life, starting in Cuba and then moving to the States as a child. And uh, he has some incredible stories to share with us today. So I'm really looking forward to, to our chat. But before I bring Ray on the air, I want to just remind you guys that the show does air live for 60 minutes. If we go past the one-hour mark, the show will continue to record for the podcast. So if you miss the tail end, you can always go to ParentingAces.com, click on the radio show tab, and then click on the link to listen to the entire podcast or fast forward to where you left off. And I hope that you're going back and going through our archives. We have so many amazing shows, and the network itself has over 1,400 hours of programming. So if you have some time and you want to delve into some of the other shows on the network, there's some great information to be had on uh, the technical side of tennis, on college tennis, on the politics of tennis, and uh, there's just some, some really good information on blogtalkradio.com slash network, and you can find all of our archive shows there or on the radio show tab on parentingaces.com for the Parenting Aces shows in particular. And I also want to just throw out at you that um, I just found out that the deadline to enter this year's Orange Bowl is tomorrow, Tuesday. So for those of you with kids in the 16s and 18s, that deadline is tomorrow, and I hope you will take a look, and maybe we'll see you down in Florida next month. That would be really fun. And uh, so now, before I bring Ronaldo on the air, I want to just play a quick commercial, and then we'll be back with today's guest, Ronaldo Garrido. Warning. Orthopedic surgeons are seeing an increase in overuse injuries when young athletes perform the same repetitive, stressful motions over and over. Pitching, tennis, weight training, even long swimming workouts can cause overuse trauma that may require surgery. If your kids play and train hard, visit orthoinfo.org or stopsportsinjuries.org. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and the American Orthopedic Society for Sports Medicine. Welcome back to Parenting Aces. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I'm so thrilled to have with us today Reynaldo Garrido. Reynaldo, are you on the air with us? Yeah, I am, yes. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm looking so very forward to hearing your wonderful stories of growing up in Cuba and moving to the States and, and playing tennis <coughs> all years. All right. So you're you're 80 years old now, which is amazing. 
and you were born in Havana, Cuba. Can you talk about what it was like living in Cuba as a young child and learning to play tennis there? Well, I, 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 let me let you tell you, uh, everything was very kind of a difficult because in those times, tennis in Cuba, especially in Havana where I used to live, you know, it only supposed to be people, you know, pretty well, uh, you know, they could play because there were no many tennis courts, and it wasn't that easy. But the people played tennis, and uh, I stopped playing. My father used to be like a, I call that, like a kind of a club player. You know, he, he never really played tennis for competition. So he started me to playing him uh, with my brother and myself. My brother was about three and a half years older than me, and that's what happened. We did play together for many, many years. That's amazing. Like uh, now, like I tell the story, we play all the time between him and I. We play every day, two and three hours. When I was eight, nine years old, we play, we play, and then it start getting difficult the playing because when we got to go to school, the high school and the high school wasn't close to my house. You had to take like a, a school bus and take you to the school and bring him back, and then take another bus to go and play tennis in in a club who has the tennis courts, which. Because it's not like the situation you see here, that you have court very near your house usually. But there it wasn't easy. And then it wasn't tough for me like a, like a young boy, you know, taking a bus back and forth to play tennis. But, you know, we enjoy a lot. And we play. I play all the time. And we play uh, when I was a little boy. The, the tennis tournaments in, in Havana and Cuba, they, they didn't have too many tennis tournaments for kids, you know, because there wasn't many kids playing. So that's, um, so I did play some, and I wondered, see, they, I don't think they have it 15 and 18 years old like they do here. They have junior, they call it juniors, anything was younger. So I did play, I won a few couple tournaments, and then I, I started my real tennis career when they I re, we received an invitation from the Miami Miami Beach, uh, the, the famous uh, orange, uh, <coughs> the Orange Bowl, and then they, you know they invite us to go there and they pay us the trip to go down, everything. So we we were a few guys. We went down, and I I did play the Orange Bowl in the in the 15 and under, which I did win it in in that particular day time, which I I, I really surprised for me because I didn't know I played fairly good. So imagine to win the whole, that tournament, I think, was a great thing. So from there on, I, you know, keep playing, keep playing. And it uh, happened to me, like, I met uh, I met Gardner Molloy there, and, he, he, you know, he talked to me and told me, Ray, you want to come to the University of Miami when you, you're ready to go to high, uh, university? Sure, I did. And he, he did promise that, and I did, I did come to the University of Miami. So I did play for Miami when I was 18 years old. So I played for three years when the, with the Miami University. We had a great, great team. We we never lose the match. We had, I think, we had a record. Uh, so we, I don't know how many we played. We won 162 matches or something like that. So Garner was really nice to me. So that's it. So I played tennis uh, here in Miami, and after that, I finished. My English wasn't well. My English right now is not that good either, but. In that time, wasn't wasn't really very good to go to school. I mean, well, I speak fairly decently, but you know, to go to a university is not that easy. So I did go there for three years, and after three years in in the university, 
I went back to, to in the tour to try to play tennis because I was I really wanted to be a tennis player. So I did that. I, I you know it wasn't very easy at all because the situation in Cuba in those times was they, they don't help you at all. They don't give you anything to go anywhere to play tennis. You have to do everything on your own. So I did go my first year to Europe with eighty dollars in my pocket and one way ticket. So I hoping to do all right. So I did go there and, and play all the tournament starting in May, like Monte Carlo usually was the first tournament you play all those tournaments like now. And the way you do that in those times you arrange from the, like four or five months before the tournament, you have to write letters to the people who organize those tournaments to tell them that you would like to go to play and you need an invitation and see what the condition they're going to give you. And usually what they do in those times, they give you like a, between 80 to $120 a week for the whole expenses. I mean, that takes care of your traveling, food, and hotel. So imagine... Uh, of course, those, those, the prices there in those times was very, very inexpensive, but still, you know, the, the money was very, very, very little. So it was tough, and a really tough situation. And then you had to go from one place to the other. And uh, But anyway, it was so so much fun. I was unbelievable great. So I, I, that's what I do. I just play. I went to fresh here and played all these tournaments. I played Wimbledon. I played the French Open. I played Rome. And, and then uh, in 1958, I think I did my best result when I won the Canadian Open, which, uh, you know, it was a very good tournament. It's like the Rogers Cup now. Right. So I, I did win the, the Canadian Open in 1958. Well, you know, it was great. Beat the final, Eh? Who did you beat in the final of that oh, tournament? Oh, in the final? Actually, I beat my brother. First time that ever happens. You know, I have a book from Canada, and they said I beat my brother in the in the final when uh, you know they had like I, I beat uh, in, in the I remember I beat in the quarterfinals. I beat Whitney Reed, you know, an American player. You know, he was number one in the United States. He, he was a, a very good player, which I haven't seen him in a long time. I hope he's still alive. I think so. You know, he's about must be 82 years old now. So I beat Whitney Reed in the, the semifinal with Bob Bedard. He was the Canadian champion, the number one from Canada. And, uh, and, and my brother beat Palafox. He was a very good player. And, uh, so that's it. I beat my brother in the finals. You know, <laughs> that was good. very, very nice. Unbelievable. A nice day for the family, yes. And then we know that's what I did. And then we came back. And uh, every year the same thing. The tough part is that, that you have to go and write letters to all the com- the tournaments. You cannot go and show up. You have to write letters say, I would like to enter in the tournaments. So they, they answer you back, yes or no, and they tell you what they're going to give you. doesn't matter if you win or lose. I mean, they give you, you know, some little money to help. And sometimes they put you up in a, in a place. Uh, so that would, would it be great, but not, not very often. Actually, the best tournament in money situation was Wimbledon. Wimbledon, if you enter in the tournament, they give you 100 pounds, and so it was almost $300. Plus, they give you a, a free ticket for the first week. And, you know, because I don't know anybody in England, so what you do, the people come to you like, like on blue, and they want to buy that ticket for you. So they give, they give you 50 pounds 
if you just sign in their name for the first week, and that's it. So it's a little way to make a couple more bucks. Because, you know, actually, I didn't know anybody there to get the free tickets. So that was a kind of a fun. <clears throat> so, yeah, it was great. That's and the great. first year, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask you, you, you also played Davis Cup for Cuba, yes? Oh, yeah, I played many, many. I, I, I Actually, I, I stopped playing Davis Cup when I was 14 years old. Wow. And, you know, I play for, we play, I play, we play, in that particular year that I won the Canadian Open, we play against, we beat Canada in the Davis Cup in, in, in Montreal. And the week, the week after, we, my brother and I, we had to play Australia. In, in the next, so we lost. We got, we play on grass. We lost to Australia, though. and but I mean that was a lot of fun. And then we play also. In the United, I play in the United States uh, uh, a lot of tiny Davis Cup. We play. Remember, we play in St. Petersburg. We play in, in Havana. We play once. We played. Um, I don't know. We, we play in other countries too, like the, from the different. The, the format was different, and now they they call it American Zone. Now they have they they, they do it different. Uh, so we play for the American Zone, and Australia do play for the American Zone. I don't know how, but that's the way they did it. So we mm-hmm. always have to play United States or Australia in in in, in the first second round, whatever. But and now, and, you know, who are some of the people eh? you against in Davis Cup? Well, uh, the, the American. Anybody? Who who are some of the the you know great players? Well, in Davis Cup, I remember we played. For example, one year we we beat Venezuela, and we played a guy named Pimentel. That he used to be a very good player from Venezuela. He went to the quarters and women one year, and then we uh, that's one a very good friend of mine. He got a bad accident, and then he couldn't play anymore. <coughs> and then we I remember we played against the United States against uh, I remember a straight Clark. And Hal Barrus, they play. They were a great double player, and Ham Richardson. And see, this guy Ham Richardson. You know, I'm telling you, Ham Richardson. He used to be a good friend of mine, and I, I, I haven't heard from him in a long, long, long time. I, I think he's still alive. I don't know. But he, he, he was one of the, those cases that he had uh, diabetes all his life since he was a little kid, and 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 he's still, you know, doing all right. I think right now, I don't know. I maybe so, still. I hope it's still alive. Well, I haven't did, heard from him. Did your parents ever get to come watch you play tennis? Did they travel with you at all, or did they come to your matches when you played at home in Havana? Who, my friends? Your parents. Who? Your mom and your dad. Your mom and no, your dad. No, no, well, my dad. Yes, my dad. Yes, he you know, he loved to play, watch tennis. I had, and he, but they they couldn't uh, travel too much. And no, they. They only they only watch me play when I play in Cuba. You know, they play in Cuba a lot, and not a lot. But I did play for, you know, after I, after I left the school, you know, I was mostly time, you know, in in those time we played six months in Europe, and when the season finished in Portugal, I remember playing the tournament in Portugal. That was the last tournament of the season. Then you go to South America because then the summer was coming to South America. In those times, we never played indoors. So that happened. We played in Europe until September, where the weather was pretty, pretty good. And then after that, then you go to South America and you play like a South American circuit that you play like four or five tournaments because it was the summer. So right. I think then after that, 
that was very nice. And then you you go back to Havana for rest for a month or two before you start all over again. And what? But I mean, was a lot of. What kind of? But then let me tell you, eh? What kind of courts did you play on? Were they clay courts? Were they grass courts? No, no, we play. We only play clay courts and grass. We're grassing women on on the U.S. Open. But otherwise, in, in that time, we play on grass in the U.S. Open. But uh, we always play on clay court everywhere. They never, they never play on hard court. They never play on hard court uh, before. No, we play only clay and the grass and Wimbledon and U.S. Open in in that time. And then I I, I play exactly until 1959. I was playing the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Yeah. And, and that was when Fidel Castro came to Cuba. I didn't know. I was in my, here in New Orleans, and and I went back to Cuba for resting because it was Christmas. So when I went back to Cuba, Castro was taking over the country, and what happened was that the whole thing started, you know, it was cutting off everything, everything, and then I played, you know, I decided to turn, leave this tennis event and play high-ally, professional high-ally, because then they were paying me money to play, you know, so I said, well, I played like four years in tennis, and, you know, I'm 25 years old, and, uh, you know, I don't really make any money. I was getting, you know, I said, well, now they offered me to play high-ally professional, which I was fairly decent player in high-ally. It's a, it's a very difficult sport also, not quite as difficult tennis, but you need a very good eyes, and you have to, you know, you need another strength because the ball goes like only on 50 miles an hour. Wow. So I decided to play high line in Cuba because, they, like I said, they pay me a salary already. So, you know, I was getting ready to marry, and and decided, and, you know, I don't think, and that's it. Then I stopped playing high line for, I played two and a half years in Havana, and they close the place. They close the high line because what they do there in the game high line, they people bet money. So the money is no in Cuba. You are not gambling at all. They don't have any gambling permitted legally. Everything. So what happened? They close the place. They say no more high line in Cuba. So what happened? I went back to tennis again. That's it because I couldn't get out of the country. It wasn't you know to get get out of the country in Cuba was. Very, very difficult, very difficult, especially now when ah, I, in those times, was crazy. It took me like two or three years to get out of the country, and very, very, very difficult. They don't, ah, terrible, I don't want to, you know, talk about that. And then I already got married, I have my my son, my my first son, he was like three years old, when we when finally we received all the permission and, and to travel, and then I went to Mexico, and uh, I, start, I start working in Mexico. You know, the, 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 the tough situation is when you leave Cuba in my time, they only allow you to, to go out with $10 in your pocket and no nothing of value with you. You cannot tell I used to have, carry a little metal in my neck. You know, I'm Catholic. So they took that away from me. A little thing, you know, made out of gold, which wasn't, you know, not a big deal, nothing. So that's it. They took everything from me, from my family. So you take two changes of clothes, two changes of clothes, and $10. That's all you were allowed to take with you. That's, that's, that's probably you say, I, I can't believe that, but that's the way it was. So, so you'll get to the IRA. Eh? 
So you, Go and ahead. Wife, you and your wife and your three, four. And my youngest son, yeah. You left Cuba. You went to Mexico. And how did you finally get to Miami? Well, I went to Mexico, and I, I, I knew I played Mexico many times before. I, I have friends there, and then I, I then, like I said, when I finished highlighting Cuba, I stopped playing tennis again, which I played for maybe one, one, I don't know why, maybe one or two years before I was able to leave the country. It wasn't easy to leave the country. Very difficult. And then when I get to Mexico, I, I got a job with the t- a tennis association to teach the young kids there. So I did teach. I teach some private lessons, and I teach some uh, the kids from the um, association. So that way I could make a living in Mexico. I didn't, I didn't like I said, $10, that's the most I took from, from Havana. So I, I, I was in Mexico like uh, almost four months, and I received the uh, United States res- uh, the visa, you know, the resident visa. So I, I was able to come, but in my way to the United States, I went to South America to play some exhibition with Santana, a fellow named Ronald Barnes that he died from Brazil. Uh, we had that guy Pimentel. We had a few guys, and they tried to help me a little bit. So we play exhibitions in South Florida. Play like you know a month in in, in South America playing exhibition and make a couple bucks. And that's it. I was in the United States. I got here. You know, and it wasn't easy either. You know, you got here to get a job. I had to do everything I had to do here before. Uh, I remember I used to sell shoes. Uh, you know, I couldn't get a tennis job for a month. Maybe for a couple months, I didn't. I couldn't get a tennis job. So finally, I got a tennis pro job in Florida. I was I was good, and I was there. To, and then I started teaching tennis again. And after a year or two, I, they offered me to play high in Miami. So what happened? I teach tennis in the afternoon and play high at night. <laughs> so uh, that was a kind of a, that's the only. At least then I was maybe able to save a couple of dollars because you know I had no time to spend it. <laughs> you know I, I teach tennis in the daytime, and after I moved to a tennis club in Miami, they call it the, the Palm Bay Club. It was a very a very nice club. And was almost everybody was a movie actor. You know, the lady who owned the, the club actually is from Atlanta. Dinkler, you may know about Dinklers. Mm. Connie Dinkler. I don't. And I don't. Was, I'll have to look them up. I think they used to have an, uh, a hotel there in Atlanta. But I mean, she was a little. Uh, she just loved the movie actors and nothing. So happy she invited a lot of actors and a lot of movie movie. Uh, Actors and they come to the place and they had this place had a hotel apartment and a, and, and a tennis court and I, I remember now I, let me tell you this little small story I remember I was, I was you know I used to teach there and a lady uh, uh, I dream oh I said I forgot his name now I dream of genie remember that program I dream of genie yeah Larry Hagman yeah that- uh, she used to sit by the swimming pool there. She was a beautiful lady, and I used to tennis court, and then I was give oh, lesson to his husband, named Paul Ansara, I remember name, John Ansara. So I used to talk to her for all the time, because she was, beside me, a good-looking lady. She was very, very nice. She had a little baby, so I had nothing to do when I wasn't teaching. So I sit with her and talk to her, talk to her, 
And I never knew that she was a famous uh, movie actor. And then when she left the place, they said, well, you know, that lady, you talk all the time. She's, you know, she had the program in television. I dream of Jeannie. And I say, what? I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, that was something. Also, I remember playing with Errol Flynn. I played, uh, no, I played, uh, I was in, uh, no, Errol Flynn, uh, Anthony Quinn. And, you know, he, 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 he used to play, and then he said, don't hit my backhand. Just hit me my, because a lot of people stand by the court watching him play. And, and he said, hit me my, my forehand only. Don't hit to my backhand, because my backhand was lousy. <laughs> and so I, I remember that very, you know, kind of a funny situation, because, you know, it was, people, every people watching. He said, stand up there, and he was watching, and he wants to look good. So he hit right. nice forehand, nice forehand, and uh, but, that was uh, a nice story, I think. And I met a lot of movie actors there. A lot of guys. Remember, Bing Crosby gave me. He bought me a tennis racket. He gave me a present, like the first record that he ever made. He has it in a in a money clip, so he gave it to me. And and uh, a lot of guys, a lot of movie actors. But in that time for me, it was very. Difficult because I really didn't know anybody from the United States. I, you know, I came from Mexico, from Cuba. I never have seen television with the, the American people, so I didn't know who was who. You know, especially on TV. Maybe in, in, in like in a movie, yes, but not in TV. So I met so many guys when I knew who they were after they after they left. But it was very very funny situation, and as uh, always. Great door opener, yes. I mean, it it provides an opportunity to meet all kinds of people. Oh yeah, that's right. Amazing how many people I I met, and uh, I still know a lot of people because uh, you know in, in the tennis you travel all over the world, and then when you like in that time you from Cuba, you know it's Cuba, you know you know the situation with Cuba, everybody you know it's a stop situation. Uh, people very you know, happy there. They had nothing nothing there to do. And tennis is very limited now. And you know what happened in, in tennis in Havana right now, in Cuba mainly? Everybody who plays tennis, now they, they, they've been invited to a tournament, uh, you know, in another country. They go to the country, they play in the tennis tournament, and they, they stay. They don't come back to Cuba. So now it's not easy to, to leave Cuba playing tennis, you know, like legally. They don't, have, they don't let anyone to go in a tournament. Very difficult, very, very difficult. Because they always stay. They, they don't come back to Cuba. Have you but, been I mean, back to Cuba since you left? Eh? Have you been what back? Have you been back to Cuba? Well, yeah, yes. I went back. Uh, well, uh, my brother is still living in Cuba. My brother becomes a very a scientific. He's a very uh, he's a he's a he's a bird. He discovered a lot of birds that never have been discovered. And then he got a book. They write he write books. We, you know, and then a lot of people go to Cuba. Just those they call it those uh, bird washers. Mm-hmm. They, they, a lot of them, and then he become like a, you know, he showed the people very, very, very interesting. And then, uh, yeah, I went to Cuba. Uh, I went to Cuba twice already. Uh, once, uh, actually, last time I went to Cuba was two years ago. I went with the tennis, the tennis international. I think that is a tennis associate, a tennis a group of people. All very nice people and very, I don't know if you heard, you know about it, Tennis International. 
And they just went to Cuba to go, I don't know why, they went, they asked me, Ray, you want to go to Guisola because you're speak Spanish, you know the situation. And then they told me, we pay the, the, the actually, Don, Don Thompson, Don Thompson is my friend, he was one of the members, and he, we played tennis in the school, he used to play for North Carolina, I think, I'm not sure he would play for North Carolina. And then he's the one who called me to, to tell me to go with them. And then I went to them for four or five days in Havana, and they saw the place, and they played a little tennis. And then I, I went there. I haven't, seen, I, I haven't been in Cuba for a long time. Were you concerned? But, uh, it was, eh? Were you concerned when you went back to Cuba that you would have trouble getting back out? No, no, no. I don't think so because they... I, I knew a lot of people, a lot of people, because when I left Cuba, I didn't leave, I didn't leave uh, illegally. I left legal, you know. I left with my the papers in those things, so I don't have, I didn't have nothing to have to be worried about. You know, it never happened, so I knew about it, everything. You, you know, you wouldn't live in a boat or you escape, so see, you might be in trouble if you come back, because they got they got your name on it. But right. you did everything legally, you had no, no reason to, to be worried about it. So, no, I know a lot of people say, well, you are not afraid to go back. So, no, no. So, well, no, I went all right. It was all right. It was, it was pretty good. I mean, a little, a little sad because the whole thing, the way it is now to the way it was before, is a big change. And the people in Cuba, they really, they, they really had nothing, you know, like, for example, to play tennis. I, I have my, 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 my nephew... In Havana, he is a good athlete. I used to play tennis. I played racket. He, he doesn't have. They don't have tennis ball. Is just like a, amazing to get tennis ball in Cuba. It's very, very. You don't get it. You find you have to pay maybe twelve, fifteen dollars for for a kind of ball. You find it. You no know, easy to find it. And then a string racket is very difficult. They have nothing of nothing. So tennis is, it becomes a very almost impossible sport to play in Cuba. They do play it because the, the people send, like, I, like me, I send racket to my nephew. I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Don't miss a thing on Parenting Aces. Be sure to sign up for our free e-newsletter so you're among the first to know when a new article is posted. Simply go to ParentingAces.com and enter your email address, then click subscribe in the subscribe for updates box on the right side of the page. Good afternoon and welcome to the Parenting Aces radio show on Blog Talk Radio's UR Tennis Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and we have another great show for you today. Today's guest is Rinaldo Garrido. Rinaldo is an 80-year-old gentleman living in South Florida in the Miami area. He has lived tennis his entire life, starting in Cuba and then moving to the States as a child. And uh, he has some incredible stories to share with us today. So I'm really looking forward to, to our chat. But before I bring Ray on the air, I want to just remind you guys that the show does air live for 60 minutes. If we go past the one-hour mark, the show will continue to record for the podcast. So if you miss the tail end, you can always go to ParentingAces.com, click on the radio show tab, and then click on the link to listen to the entire podcast or fast forward to where you left off. And I hope that you're going back and going through our archives. We have so many amazing shows, and the network itself, 
itself has over 1,400 hours of programming. So if you have some time and you want to delve into some of the other shows on the network, there's some great information to be had on uh, the technical side of tennis, on college tennis, on the politics of tennis, and uh, there's just some, some really good information on blogtalkradio.com slash network, and you can find all of our archive shows there or on the radio show tab on parentingaces.com for the Parenting Aces shows in particular. And I also want to just throw out at you that um, I just found out that the deadline to enter this year's Orange Bowl is tomorrow, Tuesday. So for those of you with kids in the 16s and 18s, that deadline is tomorrow, and I hope you will take a look, and maybe we'll see you down in Florida next month. That would be really fun. And uh, so now, before I bring Ronaldo on the air, I want to just play a quick commercial, and then we'll be back with today's guest, Ronaldo Garrido. Warning. Orthopedic surgeons are seeing an increase in overuse injuries when young athletes perform the same repetitive, stressful motions over and over. Pitching, tennis, weight training, even long swimming workouts can cause overuse trauma that may require surgery. If your kids play and train hard, visit orthoinfo.org or stopsportsinjuries.org. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and the American Orthopedic Society for Sports Medicine. Welcome back to Parenting Aces. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I'm so thrilled to have with us today Reynaldo Garrido. Reynaldo, are you on the air with us? Yeah, I am, yes. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm looking so very forward to hearing your wonderful stories of growing up in Cuba and moving to the States and, and playing tennis <coughs> all years. All so, right. <clears throat> so you're you're 80 years old now, which is amazing, and you were born in Havana, Cuba. Can you talk about what it was like living in Cuba as a young child and learning to play tennis there? Well, I, I, I let me let you tell you, uh, everything was very kind of a difficult because in those times, tennis in Cuba, especially in Havana where I used to live. You know, it only supposed to be people, you know, pretty well, uh, you know, they could play because there were no many tennis courts, and it wasn't that easy. But the people played tennis, and uh, I stopped playing. My father used to be like a, I call that like a kind of a club player, you know, he, he never really played tennis for competition. So he started me to playing him uh, with my brother and myself. My brother was about three and a half years older than me. And that's what happened. We did play together for many, many years. That's amazing. Like uh, now, like I tell this story, we play all the time between him and I. We play every day, two and three hours. When I was eight, nine years old, we play, we play. And then it started getting difficult, the playing, because when we got to go to school, the high school, and the high school wasn't close to my house. You had to take, like, a, a school bus and take you to the school and bring him back and then take another bus to go and play tennis in, in a club who has the tennis courts, which because it's not like the situation you see here. You have courts very near your house usually. But there it wasn't easy. And then it wasn't tough for me like a, like a young boy, you know, taking a bus back and forth to play tennis. But, you know, we enjoy a lot. And then we play 
I play all the time, and I would play uh, when I was a little boy. The, the tennis tournaments in in Havana and Cuba, they they didn't have too many tennis tournaments for kids, you know, because there wasn't many kids playing. So that's, um, so I did play some, and I won the, the see. They I don't think they have the 15 and 18 years old like they do here. They have junior. They call it juniors. Anything was younger. So I did play. I won a few couple tournaments. And then I start my real tennis career when they we receive an invitation from the Miami Miami Beach the the famous orange the Orange Bowl, and then they you know they invite us to go there and they pay us the trip to go down everything. So we we were a few guys we went down and I I did play the Orange Bowl in the in the 15 and under. Which I did win it in in that particular day time, which I I, I really surprised for me because I didn't know I played fairly good. So I imagine <laughs> to win the whole that tournament, I think was a great thing. So from there on, I you know keep playing, keep playing, and uh, happened to me like I met uh, I met Gardner Mulloy there, and he you know he talked to me and told me Ray, you want to come to the University of Miami when you you ready to go to high university? Sure, I did. And he he did promise that, and I did I did came to the University of Miami, so I did play for Miami when I was 18 years old. So I played for three years when the with Miami University. We had a great great team. We we never lose the match. We had I think we had a record. Uh, so I don't know how many we play. We won 162 matches or something like that. So Garner was really nice to me. So that's it. So I played tennis uh, here in Miami, and after that, I finished. My English wasn't well. My English right now is not that good either. But in that time, wasn't wasn't really very good to go to school. I mean, well, I speak fairly decently, but you know, to go to a university is not that easy. So I did go there for three years. And after three years in in the university, I went back to to in the tour to try to play tennis because I was I really wanted to be a tennis player. So I did that. I, I you know it wasn't very easy at all because the situation in Cuba in those times was they they don't help you at all. They don't give you anything to go anywhere to play tennis. You have to do everything on your own. So I did go my first year to Europe with eighty dollars in my pocket. And one-way ticket, so I hoping to do all right. So I did go there and and play all the tournament, starting in May. Like Monte Carlo usually was the first tournament you play all those tournaments right now. And the way you do that in those times, you arrange from the, like four or five months before the tournament, you have to write letters to the people who organize those tournaments to tell them that you would like to go to play and you need an invitation and see what the condition they're going to give you. And usually what they do in those times, they give you like a, between 80 to $120 a week for the whole expenses. I mean, that takes care of your traveling, food, and hotels. So imagine, of course, those, those, the prices there in those times was very, very inexpensive, but still, you know, the, the money was very, very, very little. So it was tough, and a really tough situation. And then you had to go from one place to the other. And uh, but anyway, it was so so much fun. I was unbelievable, great. So I, I, that's what I do. I just play. I went to fresh year and played all these tournaments. I played Wimbledon. I played the French Open. I played Rome. And 
and then uh, in 1958, I think I did my best result when I won the Canadian Open, which, uh, you know, it was a very good tournament. It's like the Rogers Cup now. Right. So I, I did win the, the Canadian Open in 1958. Oh, you and know, it was great. Who did you beat in the final right now, though? Eh? Who did you beat in the final of that Oh, tournament? in the final? Actually, I beat my brother. First time that ever happens. You know, I have a book from Canada, and they said, I beat my brother in the in the final when, uh, you know, they had, like, I, I beat, uh, in, in the, I remember I beat in the quarterfinals, I beat Whitney Reed, you know, an American player, you know, he was number one in the United States. He, he was a, a very good player, which I haven't seen him in a long time. I hope he's still alive. I think so. You know, he's about, must be 82 years old now. So I beat Whitney Reed in the, in the semifinal with Bob Bedard. He was the Canadian champion, the number one from Canada. And, um, and, and my brother beat Palafox. He was a very good player. And, uh, so that's it. I beat my brother in the finals. You know, <laughs> that was good. very, very nice. Unbelievable. A nice day for the family, yes. And then we know that's what I did. And then we came back. And uh, every year the same thing. The tough part is that that you have to go and write letters to all the com- the tournaments. You cannot go and show up. You have to write letters say I would like to enter in the tournaments. So they they answer you back yes or no, and they tell you what they're gonna give you. Doesn't matter if you win or lose. I mean, they give you you know some little money to help. And sometimes they put you up in a, in a place. Uh, so that would, would it be great, but not not very often. Actually, the best tournament in money situation was Wimbledon. Wimbledon, if you enter in the tournament, they give you 100 pounds. And so it was almost $300. Plus, they give you a, a free ticket for the first week. And, you know, because I don't know anybody in England. So what you do, the people come to you like, like on blue, and they want to buy that ticket for you. So they give, they give you 50 pounds. If you just sign in their name for the first week, and that's it. So it's a little way to make a couple more bucks. Because, you know, actually, I didn't know anybody there to get the free tickets. So that was a kind of a fun. <clears throat> so, yeah, it was great. That's and the great. first year, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask you, you, you also played Davis Cup for Cuba, yes? Oh, yeah, I played many, many. I, I, I Actually, I, I stopped playing Davis Cup when I was 14 years old. Wow. And, you know, I play for, we play, I play, we play, in that particular year that I won the Canadian Open, we play against, we beat Canada in the Davis Cup in, in, in Montreal. And the week, the week after, we, my brother and I, we had to play Australia. And in, in the next, so we lost, we got, we play on grass, we lost to Australia, though. And but I mean that was a lot of fun. And then we play also in the United. I play in the United States uh, uh, a lot of tiny Davis Cup. We play. Remember we play in St. Petersburg. We play in, in Havana. We play once. We play. Um, we I don't know. We, we play in other countries too. Like the, from the different. The, the format was different. And now they they call it American Zone. Now they have they they, they do it different. Uh, so we play for the American Zone, and Australia play for the American Zone. I don't know how, but that's the way they did it. So we always have to play United States or Australia in in in, in the first, second round, whatever. But and now, are, and, you know, who are some of the people eh? you played against in Davis Cup? 
Well, uh, the, the American. Uh, anybody who who were some of the the you know great players? Well, in Davis Cup, I remember we played for champion one year. We we beat Venezuela and we played a guy named Pimentel. That he used to be a very good player from Venezuela. He went to the quarters and women one year. And then we, uh, that's one, a very good friend of mine. He got a bad accident and then he couldn't play anymore. <coughs> and then we, I remember we played against the United States against, uh, I remember Straight Clark and Hal Barrows. They played, they were a great double player and Ham Richardson. And see, this guy, Ham Richardson, you know, I'm telling you, Ham Richardson, he used to be a good friend of mine. And I, I, I haven't heard from him in a long, long, long time. I, I think he's still alive. I don't know. But he, he, he was one of the, those cases that he had uh, diabetes all his life since he was a little kid, and 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 he's still you know doing all right I think right now I don't know, I maybe so, still I hope he's still alive. Well, I haven't did, heard from him. Did your parents ever get to come watch you play tennis? Did they travel with you at all, or did they come to your matches when you played at home in Havana? Who my friends? Your parents, Who? your mom and your dad. Your mom and no, your dad. no, well, my dad, yes, my dad, yes, he, you know, he loved to play, watch tennis, and he, but they, they couldn't uh, travel too much, and no, they, they only, they only watched me play when I was playing Cuba, you know, they played Cuba a lot, and not a lot, but I did play for, you know, after, I, after I left the school, you know, I was mostly time, you know, in, in those time we played six months in Europe, and when the season finished in Portugal. I remember playing the tournament in Portugal. That was the last tournament of the season. Then you go to South America because then the summer was coming to South America. In those times, we never played indoors. So that happened. We played in Europe until September when the weather was pretty, pretty good. And then after that, then you go to South America and you play like a South American circuit that you play like four or five tournaments because it was the summer. So right. I think then after that, that was very nice, and then you you go back to Havana for rest for a month or two before you start all over again. And what? But I mean, what a lot of what kind of But then let me tell you, eh? What kind when? of courts did you play on? Were they clay courts? Were they grass courts? No, no, we play. We only play clay courts and grass. We're okay. grass in women and, and and the U.S. Open. But otherwise, in, in that time, we played on grass in the U.S. Open. But uh, we always play on clay court everywhere. They never, they never play on hard court. They never played on hard court uh, before. No, we play only clay and the grass and Wimbledon and U.S. Open in in that time. And then I I, I play exactly until 1959. I was playing the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Yeah. And, and that was when Fidel Castro came to Cuba. I didn't know. I was in, here in New Orleans, and and I went back to Cuba for resting because it was Christmas. So when I went back to Cuba, Castro was taking over the country, and what happened was that the whole thing started, you know, it was cutting off everything, everything, and then I played, you know, I decided to turn, leave this tennis event and play high ally, professional high ally, because then they were paying me money to play, you know, so I said, well, I played like four years in tennis and, you know, I'm 25 years old and, uh, you know, I don't really make any money. I was getting, you know, I said, well, now they offered me to play high ally professional, which I was fairly decent player in high ally 
it's a, it's a very difficult sport also. Not quite as difficult as tennis, but you need a very good eyes, and you have to, you know, you need a friend because the ball goes like 150 miles an hour. Wow. So I decided to play high line in Cuba because, they, like I said, they paid me a salary already. So, you know, I was getting ready to marry and and decided, and, you know, I don't think. And that's it. Then I started playing high life for I played two and a half years in Havana, and they closed the place. They closed the high life because what they do there in the game, high life, they people bet money. So the money is no in Cuba. You are not gambling at all. They don't have any gambling permitted, legally. Everything. So what happened? They closed the place. They say no more high life in Cuba. So what happened? I went back to tennis again. That's it, because I couldn't get out of the country. Was you know to get get out of the country in Cuba was very very difficult, very difficult. Especially now, when ah, in those time was crazy. It took me like two or three years to get out of the country, and very 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 difficult. They don't ah, terrible. I don't want to you know talk about that. And then I already got married. I have my my son, my my first son. He was like three years old when we when finally we received. All the permission and and to travel, and then I went to Mexico, and uh, I start I start working in Mexico. You know, uh, the, the 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 tough situation is when you leave Cuba. In my time, they only allow you to to go out with ten dollars in your pocket and no nothing of value with you. You cannot tell. I used to have, carry a little metal in my neck. You know, I'm Catholic. So they took that away from me. A little thing, you know, made out of gold, which wasn't, you know, not a big deal, nothing. So that's it. They took everything from me, from my family. So you take two changes of clothes, two changes of clothes, and $10. That's all you were allowed to take with you. That's probably, you say, I I can't believe that, but that's the way it was. So So you'll get, I eh? So you you and your wife and your... Three, four my youngest son, yeah. You left Cuba, you went to Mexico, and how did you finally get to Miami? Well, I went to Mexico, and I, 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 knew, I played Mexico many times before. I, I have friends there, and then, I, then, like I said, when I finished high line Cuba, I stopped playing tennis again, which I played for maybe one, one, I don't know why, maybe one or two years before I was able to leave the country. It wasn't easy to leave the country. Very difficult. And then when I get Mexico, I, I got a job with the t- a tennis association to teach the young kids there. So I did teach, I teach some private lessons, and I teach some the, the kids from the um, association. So that way I could make a living in Mexico. I didn't, I didn't, like I said, ten more. That's the most I took from from Havana. So I, I, I was in Mexico like uh, almost four months. And I received the uh, United States res- uh, the visa, you know, the resident visa. So I, I was able to come. But in my way to the United States, I went to South America to play some exhibition with Santana, a fellow named Ronald Barnett that he died from Brazil. Uh, we had that guy Pimentel. We had a few guys, and they tried to help me a little bit. So we play exhibitions in South Florida. play like, uh, you know, a month in, in, in South America playing exhibition and, and make a couple bucks. And that's it. I was in the United States. I got here. 
you know, and it wasn't easy either. You know, you got here to get a job. I had to do everything I had to do here before. Uh, I remember I used to sell shoes. Uh, you know, I couldn't get a tennis job for a month. Maybe for a couple months, I didn't. I couldn't get a tennis job. So finally, I got a tennis pro job in Florida. I was I was good, and I was there. To, and then I started teaching tennis again. And after a year or two, I, they offered me to play high high in Miami. So what happened? I teach tennis in the afternoon and play high high at night. <laughs> so uh, that was a kind of uh, that's the only. At least then I was maybe able to save a couple of dollars. Because, you know, I had no time to spend it. <laughs> you know, I, I teach tennis in the daytime. And after I moved to a tennis club in Miami, they call it the Palm Bay Club. It was a very, a very nice club. And was almost everybody was a movie actor. You know, the lady who owned the, the club actually is from Atlanta. Dinkler. You may know about Dinklers. Mm. Connie Dinkler. I don't. And I don't. Was, I'll have to look them up. I think they used to have an, uh, a hotel there in Atlanta. But, I mean, she was a little... Uh, she just loved the movie actors and that. So, happy she invited a lot of actors, a lot of movie, movie actors, and they come to the place, and they had, they play had a hotel, apartment, and a, and, and a tennis court. And I, I remember... Now, I, let me tell you this little small story. I remember I was... I was you know, I used to teach there, and... A lady, uh, uh, I dream. Oh, I said I forgot his name now. I dream of Jeannie. Remember that program, I dream of Jeannie? Yeah, Larry Hagman. Yeah, uh, she used to sit by the swimming pool there. She was a beautiful lady, and I just was tennis court. And then I was oh, give lesson to his husband named Paul Ansara. I remember name John Ansara. So I used to talk to her for all the time because she was beside me, a good-looking lady. She was very, very nice. She had a little baby, so I had nothing to do when I wasn't teaching. So I sit with her and talk to her, talk to her, and I never knew that she was a famous uh, movie actor. And then when <laughs> she left the play, they said, well, you know, that lady you talk all the time, She's, you know, she had the program in television, I Dream of Jeannie. And I say, what? I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, that was something. Also, I remember playing with Errol Flynn. I played, uh, uh, no, I played, uh, I, I was in, uh, no, I uh, Anthony Queen. And, you know, he, he, he used to play, and then he said, don't hit my backhand. Just hit me my, because a lot of people stand by the court watching him play. And, and he said, hit me my, my forehand only. Don't hit to my backhand, because if I was lousy. <laughs> and so I, I remember that very, you know, kind of a funny situation because, you know, it was, people, every people watching. He said, time up there, and he was watching, and he wants to look good. So he hit right. nice forehand, nice forehand, and uh, but that was uh, a nice story, I think. And I met a lot of movie actors there, a lot of guys. I met Bing Crosby, he, he bought me a tennis racket, he gave me a present, like the first record that he ever made, he has it in a, in a money clip. So he gave it to me, and... And uh, a lot of guys, a lot of movie actors, and, 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 but in that time for me, it was very difficult because I really didn't know anybody from the United States. I, you know, I came from Mexico, from Cuba. I never have seen television with the, the American people, so I didn't know who was who, you know, especially on TV. Maybe in, 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 like in a movie, yes, but not in TV. So I met so many guys when I knew who they were after they, after they left. 
But the youth, very, very funny situation. And uh, it was great door opener. Yes, I mean it. It provides an opportunity to meet all kinds of people. Oh yeah, that's right. Amazing how many people I I met, and uh, I still know a lot of people because you know in in the tennis you travel all over the world, and then when you like in that time you from Cuba. You know, it's Cuba. You know, you know the situation with Cuba. Everybody, you know, it's a stop situation. Uh, people very you know, happy there. They had nothing, nothing there to do, and tennis is very limited now. And you know what happened in, in tennis in Havana right now in Cuba mainly. Everybody who play tennis now they they they've been invited to a tournament. Uh, you know, in another country, they go to the country. They play in the tennis tournament. They, they stay. They don't come back to Cuba, so now it's not easy to to leave Cuba playing tennis, you know, like legally. They don't have, they don't let anyone to go in a tournament. Very difficult, very very difficult, because they always stay. They they don't come back to Cuba. Have you but, been I mean, back to Cuba since you left? Eh? Have you been what back? Have you been back to Cuba? Well, yeah, yes, I went back. Uh, well, uh, my brother is still living in Cuba. My brother becomes a very it's scientific. He's a very, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a bird. He discovered a lot of birds that never have been discovered. And then he got a book, they write, he write books with, you know, and then a lot of people go to Cuba, just those, they call it those uh, bird washers. Mm-hmm. They, they, a lot of them, and then he become like, a, you know, he showed the people a very, very, very interesting, and then uh, yeah, I went to Cuba. Uh, I went to Cuba twice already. Uh, once, uh, actually, last time I went to Cuba was two years ago. I went with the tennis, the tennis international. I think that is a tennis associate, a tennis a group of people, all very nice people and very. I don't know you heard, you know about it, tennis international. And they just went to Cuba to win. I don't know why they went. They asked me, "Ray, you want to go to Brazil because you speak Spanish? You know the situation." And then they told me, "We pay the the, the actually Don Don Thompson. I remember Don Thompson is my friend. That he was one of the members. And he we played tennis in school. He used to play for North Carolina, I think. I'm not sure he would play for North Carolina. And then he's the one who called me to to tell me to go with them. And then I went to them for four or five days in Havana. And they saw the place, and they played a little tennis, and then I, I went there. I haven't seen, I haven't been in Cuba for a long time. Were you concerned? But, uh, it was. Eh? Were you concerned when you went back to Cuba that you would have trouble getting back out? No, no, no. I don't think so because they, I, I knew a lot of people, a lot of people. Because when I left Cuba, I didn't leave. I didn't leave. Uh, Illegally, I left legal. You know, I left with my the papers in those things, so I don't have. I didn't have nothing to have to be worried about. It. You know, it never happened. So I knew about it, everything. You, you know, you wouldn't live in a boat or you escape. Something you might be in trouble if you come back because they got they got your name on it. But if you did everything legally. You had no no reason to to be worried about it. So no, I know a lot of people say, "Well, you are not afraid to go back." So no, no, so. Well, I went all right. It was all right. It was it was pretty good. I mean, a little a little sad because the whole thing, the way it is now, to the way it was before, is a big change. And the people in Cuba, they really, they they really had nothing. You know, like for example, to play tennis. I, I have my, my 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 nephew 
in, in Havana. He, he used a good athlete. I used to play tennis. I played racket. He, he doesn't have, they don't have, tennis ball is just like uh, amazing to get tennis ball in Cuba. It's very, very, you don't get it. Uh, you find you have to pay maybe $12, $15 for, for a can of ball. You find it. It's not easy to find it. And then a string racket is very difficult. They have nothing of nothing. So tennis is, it becomes a very almost impossible sport to play in Cuba. They do play it because the, the people send, like, I, like me, I send racket to my nephew, a, a ball, a strings, and things like that. But that's the only way they can, they can do it. Otherwise, they, don't, they cannot get anything there. That's so sad. So tennis is very limited. That's very sad. So, did your son play tennis growing up, and and did you have other? Well, children? yeah, my bo- bo- I got two sons, and they both played. You know, they play- actually my 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 first son, the oldest one, he played very good tennis. He was very smart playing tennis, and uh, but he developed like a pain in his arm or something. <coughs> <clears throat> that he couldn't play that, you know, something. He was he, every, to play tennis. He, he suffered too much because he, he had pain, like in his elbow, I think. So he actually then he didn't play more competitive, and he just then he played later on, but no more, you know, competitive. But he won. He won. The, I remember he won the New York State. When, I went to live in New York for a while. You know, I, I had a tennis job in New York. After I, I came to Miami, I worked here in that club we were talking before. Then I went, when I finished playing high in Miami, I went to New York in a club there. And indoor tennis and outdoor. Tennis indoor and outdoor. I was very good. And there when my son stopped playing tennis right there. Uh, and uh, I stayed there about eight years. And he played there, but like I said, and he, 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 he played a lot of tournaments. He won the New York. New York is junior, you know, the, I think it was the 15 or 18, I don't know. I don't remember. But then that's it, then he quit. And then the young, I have the other younger son that he went to Florida University, uh, not Florida, he went to Tampa University, South Florida. And he played for the team there. He was a pretty good player too. But uh, he, that's it, he, he didn't continue playing. He, he, didn't, he never played in big tournaments. He just played like local tournaments and you know, he was he was a pretty good player. But now they're playing they play for fun. And now <laughs> so you're still playing playing too, right? Well I, right? I, I I still playing tennis but I hurt my 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 leg. A doctor really uh, you know, I had to have a colonoscopy and they uh, you know, I, I have something they call it atrial fibrillation. Which wow. I'm doing all right. I have not have nothing but you know, I supposed to take a drug they call it comedine to put your blood thin. So I, I I had to do a colonoscopy, and the guy said, "Well, you have to be off the comedine for a week." And so I went off. And when I I went off for a week, and what happened after the operation? I had a blood clot, one in my right and one in my left foot. So I really I'm all right now, but I can't play tennis too good. I, you know I don't move too well. So I love to play tennis. I, play, I love to play tournament because so actually when I finished playing all my life tennis, when I had my vacation in, this, in the club I used to work, I used to go to Europe for two or three weeks, for four weeks, to play tennis tournament in the senior event. So I played senior tennis all my life, and I played for the United States in the, in the, you know, against another country. Like, you know, every year they have those... Uh, 
those different, they call it, you know, senior tournament. They're playing in the 60s, everything. Uh, uh, terrific. It was great. I played, you know, I enjoyed it. I always loved to go to Europe. It was great. But then you you play this big tournament there, the senior with a lot of friends of mine. And I played for the United States a few times, you know, in okay. different age events. I played in the 65 and the 60s. And then That's I started slowing down a little bit. <laughs> But uh, but like I said my knees were getting bad because actually that highlight game it used to destroy my knees you know because highlight you have to use your you pivot if it's, you throw the ball you pivot a lot so your knees start suffering 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 and then eventually uh, I had knees operation but not the transplant I had knee and they helped me pretty good, fairly good but you know after that I was you know I was I never had the operation to take my, put on new knees because. My arm also, I, I got hurt my arm bad, very bad. I fall one day and I broke two tendons. And that's it. So my surf, you know, too good. So I slowed down. So I don't want to, I don't, I didn't play anymore big tournament because I really, I wasn't playing that good anymore. I, just, I, I was playing pretty fairly decently good, but I didn't have as many, too much strength. And my, my, my main part of my tennis match my tennis game was my strength. I used to hit the ball pretty hard, serve very good. But then I, with a broken tendon in my shoulder, my knees, so I, I you know, had to play different. So I, I, I didn't like it that much. <laughs> so have you, have you coached any young players over the years, any children? Well, I, I, I did. I, I worked with... Uh, I worked with Clerk, you remember the Argentine player Jose Luis Clerk? Yeah. The Argentine, well, I, I, his his real coach, he, we, he used to be a very good friend of mine. We were we are still good friends. And then you know I used to go with him traveling when he was when he was playing the tour. Actually, I, I when he won the when he won the the French Open, I was there. I was there. Because I, I went to play in the Senior Cup in, the, uh, in Austria, so I went to Paris and watched him won the, uh, when he, he won the, uh, the French Open. I wow. mean, he was in the final. But I was there. He was, uh, was very good. And then I, I did uh, teach a lot of, you know, I have a big program with kids. You know, I, that's what I usually do after that. In New York, for example, I had like 150 kids. You know, in a, in a, in a tennis uh, from four o'clock, from four to eight every day on Saturdays. So we have I teach a lot of young kids, but uh, like a tough, tough kid, I I, I don't I, I didn't have because I had to work, you know, in the club. So I couldn't, you know, you had to dedicate it. You, uh, when you go, you coach a guy, you have to be with him all the time, otherwise it won't work too good. So I had to be working in a club, so it wasn't easy for me just to, to keep with one guy. I helped a lot of guys like that. I remember I used to play with, uh, I used to play with, you remember Gerolitis? Yeah, of course. That he died. Well, he, 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 when I was in New York, he used to live near the airport, and he'd come at night. We used to play at 10 o'clock at night. In the club, I used to work indoors. So wow. he, he used to come and practice with me. He was like 18 years old, 17, 18 years old. And then we play. I played with him a lot, and uh, things, things like that. But uh, you know, I couldn't do it too much because I had to work in the club. And you you couldn't just dedicate it to one kid. 
But he was very good. He became super player. Yeah, I would and, say uh, so. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was, you know, he was, he was, you know, he had an accident, amazing. But, yeah, very sad. But, uh, like I said, I had, like I said, I had junior, uh, junior like we call it a junior development. You know? I had a lot, a lot of young boys, a lot of young girls teaching then, and I, you know, that's it. Then, after about eight, nine years, I was in New York. I came back to Miami, and they offered me a job in Miami, like a tennis supervisor of the city of Miami. So that's what I did for about 20 years. I supervised, I worked in the in the different park, public parks, you know, that belong to the city. Sure. Nothing private. Everything was public park, and then you had to, you know, that what that's it. That was that was a great job that I had. I think. Because there are a lot uh, of beautiful parks in Florida, for sure. Lots of well, that's right. And then uh, you work for the city, and then anyway, you you have to be sure everything is, you know, all the kids. You have to make a program for the kids for the summer. So you, have, you know, in the summer it was a lot of work for me, but but it was it was okay, it was alright. But you know, they pay you decent money. I didn't have to worry about you know getting fired or getting this and and complain about this. So this the city was very for me it was very good. I really was lucky about that because after that you finish working, you have like a, a, a you call that a, a retirement. Sure. So which Reynaldo, help a lot, you know. Renato, most of the people that listen to this podcast are parents of junior players, of kids that are playing tennis. So I'm wondering if you have some advice for the parents who are trying to help their children become the best tennis players they can be, possibly playing college tennis, and maybe for a few of them, you know, lucky enough to play professional tennis. What advice? Well, no, that's right. I, I always tell you, that's for sure. I mean, in Miami here, it's getting very big. A lot of young people, yeah, you, you, I tell the kids, you know, you play tennis now, boy, as good as you can, and try to go to college. Because there you're going to learn a little bit more. You're going to be young enough to play in the tour if you want to become a tennis pro, you know, a touring pro. So, like, you go to college for two or three years, you don't make the college, you can go into a pro, but you at least you're going to have an education, and you might, from there, you can go either way. You know, you're really good tennis, you're staying tennis, otherwise you go and get a job, what you did in school. So you need to go to the college. It's, it's amazing, like I did. You know, I, I, I didn't learn too much in school, but, you know, I went to college, and I could have got a job, you know, if I didn't play tennis. Right. That's what I said. The boys, you know, every time I see those kids playing, you know, I really say, why school? I will talk to any school about it. You know, be sure, you know, to get, try to get a, a scholarship, because that's what they're going to give it to you. you play, you're a good player, so you sure you deserve a scholarship. So that's a great thing. So I try to to tell the kid how good the school is. Besides, how good, how much good time you're gonna have there. Actually, I have one one kid right now that he was a player. He went to Philadelphia. He's just there now. So I hope he's gonna do all right. That's you know, I play with. I used to play with him only but once or twice a week. That's all. Because you know he got to go to school here. But he, he already went to Philadelphia. I hope he did. I'm sure he's doing all right there. When well, you, I wanted, you know, when you talk to the parents of of the kids that you coach, what do you tell them? What do you feel like their job is? 
Well, the, you know what happened. What happened with the parents is a very delicate, uh, delicate, delicate situation because some parents become very, uh, very tough, very uh, difficult with their kid. They want them to become champion right away, and and then I had to tell them that to be sure, it'd be nice. Don't, don't you know? Don't don't force them too much to do something. You know, they do the best they can. So try to help them, you know, when they don't play that good, to you know, to be not to get upset to the kids and things like that. Because otherwise, you know, find, at the end they're gonna quit. You know, when they see the the, the parent, they don't like it, they get upset, they, they get uh, with them. They sometimes they quit. They, they don't give the other way around. If you're nice to your kid, the kid is gonna understand that. You know, he just up to him. He's no nothing to do with his parent. Uh, and they'd be all right. See, I'm, I see that a lot here. The parents become so tough, very tough with the kids, and, and it's a tough situation. I think I don't. I don't really like that. I like them. Are you there? You know, I, I like to be. No, no. You don't have to be very, very soft with the kids, but you, you cannot be, especially when they don't play good. When they lose a match, they play, so they already, they're already unhappy. So you're gonna be on top of that. You're gonna start. Telling things, a lot of bad things about it. Uh, the, that's going to accumulate, you know, for in the little future, it, it might hurt. Because right. uh, that's why I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I'm right or wrong, but that's the way I see it. See, like I, I don't like the people tell me, ah, you got to do this, you got to do that, you were so bad, what do you do this? And then you, you keep it in your mind and it, it doesn't help you. You know, instead of being nice to you, you say, ah, don't worry about it. You'll be all right next time. Just practice this throw. Try to practice here. Do that. So you're going to start getting better. You know, to to to, to tell the, the boy to don't worry about what the, 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 he, he played bad or not. Just don't worry about it. You know, next time he'll be all right. And he's going to try to work on, on the strokes or whatever he needs to work. So he doesn't get nothing inside of his head that the father is going to extract screaming at him or something like that. I think. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I was having some technical problems. I'm back. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, no, oh, you, you, no. So what happened now? I just that's it. I just like I said, I don't play. I play, still playing some tennis, but no, not too much. You know, I'm 80 years old, and I, I, I really missing those tournaments to go to Europe. And those senior tournaments is a lot of fun. I got a lot of good friends. And everybody, they had, everybody's getting old. But what can I do? Nothing. Just watch. I have my granddaughter. She plays pretty good tennis. So she, I hope she does all right. She will. That's great. And uh, do you watch she, a lot of tennis on TV? Oh yeah, I do. I do a lot. Actually, too much, mom. <laughs> no, I watch you. I watch you all the time. Yeah. And I, I, when I kind of watch, I put it on. Uh, I, 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 go, I, I print it. I watch it later, later when I come back because I go out, and then sometimes they give the time they put the tennis matches. It's, it's not good for me. And then I, I, when I come back home, I put it on and watch. No, I do watch. I, I, I like to watch. Who are your favorite players? Eh? Who are your favorite professional players now? Who are the ones you like to watch? Oh, my favorite. 
Well, let me tell you something. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but what I don't really like, I really, for me, and I explained the reason, it is a screening every time you hit a ball. I think that's a, a very, I, don't, I think it's bad. I don't really like it, you know, the, especially that Sharapova, the other girl, uh, Stepanek. Every time they, every ball they hit, every ball, doesn't matter how hard or soft or low, they scream like, and, for, and let me t- and the main reason that I say that, because like, I, like I told you before, like I play high highlight. High highlight is a very uh, difficult sport, very hard, and you follow the sounds of the ball. The ball goes 150 miles an hour, and when the ball hit the walls, it has a sound. You know, all the, and that sound tells you more or less the speed of the ball because it's so fast. So that's what happened. I got it in my mind in, in reference to tennis. Now, every time you hit a ball, bah, you go, ah, you, you scream. It takes away the sound of that ball. So it, it, it helps you, to the, to, to the guy who does it, it helps. But the, the opponent, you know, he can get a little, you know, he miss. He, uh, that, I, that's what I keep in my mind. I mean, maybe, I don't know if you understand what I tried to say. No, I do. You, it interferes. Yeah, and then he, he just oh, every ball. Because I understand. For example, you running on a very tough show, you get to the end, and, ah, and then you hear the ball. It's all right. You're screaming because you're making a big effort. But anything, you hear a drop shot, you, you you scream. Everything you scream. Right. For 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 everything. So I don't think I don't like it. That's the only thing I don't really like for tennis. So, but the main reason is the, what I just told you. The sound it helped to know the speed of the ball. Right. It let you know, you know, the ball you gonna you hit it hard. It's not the same like the one you hit a drop shot. It's different sounds. So, so for me, in my in my situation, it's different. I know I know the tennis player because, like I said, like because the high line. When I play high line, I follow that sound very very much. So but yeah, like? besides, I don't like it. It, it, it. I think I think it doesn't look too good. You know, not the big screen. I don't know if you agree with me or what, but. They were trying to do something about it, but they haven't done anything. <laughs> no, because the, the law in tennis, the rule in tennis, say you're not supposed to talk, you're not supposed to. So the, now they, they, they don't talk, but they scream. Yeah. So, so it might be a little, uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Just a, a guess, a thinking from me. But so I don't know. If, yes? Who Who is your favorite to watch then? Well, I always liked, uh, you know, I like, I really like, uh, well, Federer, everybody likes to play watch Federer, I think. You know, because he's a, look a very decent man and uh, nice, he doesn't get upset, he doesn't do anything. I hate when you see those guys breaking rackets, you know, uh, this breaking the racket, you know, that thing. It doesn't look too good, you know, especially when they play the kind of tennis they do play. They, you know, they're making a lot of money, so they're making a bad thing. And you see now, a lot of kids, they imitate this guy. They say, well, this guy does that. Why I cannot do it? You know, that is a bad example for, for young people. You know, they, 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 they throw rockets. They, they, uh, so, but further, I think, I like Fred pretty good. You know, uh, because he never do any, he's a very, very normal person. And uh, I think he's I, my, my best guy to watch, I think. I like another guy watching playing. You know, they play great tennis. But uh, I think Buffett is my favorite. I think. 
And do you prefer watching the matches on clay courts, hard courts, grass? Do you care? No, it doesn't matter to me. I watch every, everything, every, anything they play. And then I try to figure out what they do, uh, you know, the way they hit the ball. You know, I try to pick up something out of that, you know, and not just, not just watch the match. You know, I see the way they serve, where they put the foot, how to stand, where to toss the ball. And uh, little things like that, you know, it help, uh, you know, to, to, to teach to another kids, you know, right. because I usually like the serve, you know, I used to serve good, and um, I like to teach the serve because I think the serve is about uh, it's a, a big thing in the game. Uh, you, you take advantage of you, you, you serve is very, very good. You're already ahead of everybody, so sure. I try to really work on that very well. What do but you I don't think? know. I like another guy playing tennis too. I see a lot of guys that are great players, and, and you know, like I, I mean, I just cannot recall now another person that I like pretty. Good. I mean, I like for example Ferrer. You know, he's a guy to watch. Uh, Nadal is a little, you know, it's very difficult. I like to watch Nadal, but he's nuts the way he plays tennis. You know, he, he does everything dif- different, and you tell him what to do. But he fight, he really fight, he doesn't get upset, he never do anything bad. And Ferrer is the same thing. Ferrer is a very fighting guy, he fight, 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 and you know, that's, that's something that you, he's great for, for young people, you know. So, uh, yeah, I know a guy, they complain all the time, they, but, but um, I think, uh, like, those guys, I think they're really nice to watch. Did you have a chance to see the Andy Murray Tommy Robredo final yesterday? Yeah, I did. That was I think I, I think they were both went dying both. They were dying. <laughs> I think they were so tired. Yes. And, and I think Murray was kind of a laughing because he think I, I that's what I think. He thought that um, uh, uh, Robredo was making a show like he had cramps or something. And he was kind of a laughing, uh, like you say, like, you know, Robert was holding his legs and doing something. I mean, they really were, they, I think they were both very tired. Yeah. And they were lucky they didn't have cramps. But I, I think that was an unbelievable night. It was unbelievable. Great. Yeah. They played fantastic that. tennis. They came up they with played great tennis. Huh? Hey, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I was a what fantastic game. It was great, really good. Unbelievable. Yeah. See, uh, okay, so uh, I don't know what else can I talk about. Well, uh, there I don't any know. Any advice you want to give to the parents out there before we finish? To the parents? Yes. Well, uh, you know, like I told you before, the only thing, you know, I think, I mean, the bad thing about all this is. I believe, or I think, the way they told me, I used to be very tough with my sons in the tennis. You know, I was very bad, so I don't want to talk too much about that because I think when I was, you know, you know, teach them, it was a little tough to them, and, and you know, now I hate that too much. I wish I would have been different, but that's the way I was. I was a very competitive player. And I want everything to be, you know, good and tough and tough and tough. So maybe I was a little tough with my sons, but I don't know if they get upset or not. But like I said, what I advise to the, to the parents, like I said to you before, 
Just try to be nice to your kid. Don't don't talk of them when they lose. Don't say bad things about it. Just try to give a little a little uh, a pep so they they don't feel bad and they they just tell them to next time they'll be better. Just practice. All you have to do is just practice and see what you did wrong. And but don't get upset to the guy like you know because I think that might accumulate inside and and if in the future they might quit you know because they don't want to hear anything bad about it right? so they they have to be nice to the not nice but they don't have to be tough to the kids you know they're trying to do the best but if they can they can't you know just to try to help them to to improve them and, and I, I think that's the best part I think. Well, I think that's great advice, and I think we'll end on that. So thank you so much for being on the show today with me and sharing your incredible stories and and your experiences with my audience. I I learned a lot, and uh, it's always wonderful to hear from people like you who have been playing this wonderful game for so many years and found so much joy and happiness as a result of it. So thank you for being here with me. I hope they understand my English. Uh, I, I could say I could do it maybe a little better, but you know what happened? I forgot so many things now. You know, uh, you know when you get old, you forget. <laughs> but uh, at least I remember a few things, nice things. I, everything I remember from tennis, nice. I always I had a great time. I can't believe it. I just, it's unbelievable how much how great it is to play tennis and go all over the world and meet people and, and, and enjoy it. You know, it's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Reynaldo, and I look forward to hearing even more stories from you in the future, and I hope you continue to feel good and can be on the tennis court. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you very much, and I'm be, okay, I wish you the best for you and, you and your son. I hope he does. I know he come to Miami. I see him. If he comes down here, you know, you know I, I'm going to see him because I go to school once in a while, and I play tennis with a doctor friend of mine who lives very near the school. Great. Well, we'll okay, Lisa. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. And to my listeners, thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Reynaldo Garrido and his incredible stories of growing up in Cuba and moving with his family to the U.S. as a, a young married man, young dad, and, and all of that. So, He's just proof positive of all the beautiful things that our sport can bring to to our children, and and I'm just feel so grateful to have the opportunity to talk to Ronaldo and and to share his stories with you. Hope you guys all have a great week. We are in the midst of a tournament here in Atlanta, and I want to remind you to please nominate your favorite tournament directors for our inaugural Best Tournament Director Award. That form is on ParentingAces.com, so please take a look. You have a few more weeks to get that in, and I'm looking very, very forward to going through all the nominations and honoring those tournament directors that are doing it right out there. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week on Parenting Aces. TennisBalls.com is your one-stop shop for all the latest tennis news, stories, and photos from around the world. Their talented writers share insights from the Pro Tour, the latest tennis technology, and behind-the-scenes looks at your favorite tennis tournaments and events. Check out TennisBalls.com. That's 10SBalls.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents... 
by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, visit us online at parentingaces.com. As always, a huge thank you to our sponsor, tennisballs.com.